In this episode of the Flashlights and Stuff podcast, I'm going to talk about EDC knives. Yes, everyday carry knives. Cheap knives, expensive knives, blade steels, which brands, what models. So if you bought a knife or two in the past and have been disappointed, or you're just getting started in knife collecting, this is the episode for you. So let's get started in three, two, one. So before I get too deep into the knife discussion, I wanted to bring up a few things um, that are upcoming. So I wanted to mention that Olite is having a flash sale on the Warrior 10 Pro. Warrior X Pro or Warrior 10 Pro. I'm not sure exactly what they call it. I don't have any kind of relationship with Olite. Uh, I've just been looking uh, to purchase one of these for a while. Heard about the flash sale. And so on May 8th, you're going to be able to get either the gunmetal gray finish or the camo finish Warrior X Pro for 98 bucks, And that's, that's a real screaming deal. It's 41 bucks off the normal price. And the interesting thing about this particular flashlight, uh, it's a real thrower, and it's got a great tactical look to it. I would say it's a it's definitely a little larger flashlight, and the and the real reason why I'm interested is it's got a it's got a max of two thousand two hundred and fifty lumens of output and a six hundred meter throw. That's what's got me interested in the flashlight. So again, May eighth, flash uh, O lights having a a flash sale uh, on the gunmetal gray or camo version of the Olite X or Olite 10 Pro. So something else that I just picked up just came in the mail yesterday. Haven't even opened up the box yet, but it's a Thru-Night TC-15. And it's the one with the desert tan finish, which that's probably what uh, got me to consider this flashlight. I just like the look of it. It has 2300 lumens of output. I've been really impressed with some of the latest flashlights through nights uh, been producing. And I think they're a real bargain for the money. In an upcoming review, I'll be looking at this TC-15. And here it is. It's definitely, a, a, you know, a mid-size to smaller flashlight. Easily would fit in your pocket. And it does have this cool desert tan finish, which absolutely makes no difference in the quality of the light that comes out of the flashlight. Uh, but I like what it looks like. And, you know, for the, for the money, I think it'll be a good flashlight. I definitely like the way it looks. Once I've had a chance to use this uh, a little bit, I'll definitely take some photos, throw them up on Instagram, put them on my website. Uh, I'll do a review in a future podcast and let you know what I think about this light. Another thing that I wanted to mention was a review that I'm going to do pretty soon. I've got this coming in the mail. Uh, it's a Kershaw Natrix, and it has the copper finish. And that's about all I'll say about it right now. But it is a really nice-looking knife. People are doing some really cool things to uh, the, the copper finish uh, of, the, of this knife. It has a really cool natural patina uh, that you get as you use the, the knife, just from the oil of your skin on the, on the handle and stuff. So um, I'm sort of excited for this. Uh, it's definitely in a finish that I've never had before. Uh, and I like Kershaw knives. I own quite a few of them. And so I'll do a review on this one in, in the near future. It's, it's in the mail right now. Let's get back to 
this episode. Here's the thing, you know, if you have purchased a few knives or you are going to purchase some knives for carry purposes, um, I really recommend that you go and look and see what your local knife laws are. Uh, definitely you want to check out what the laws are about concealment, about blade length, about type, right? So the automatic knives, for instance, the switchblade or automatic knives, um, I, I want one, but in my state, I can't have one. Uh, somebody mentioned uh, they live in, and I think they said they lived in California, and you can have an automatic knife, but the blade can't be longer than two inches. I, I don't know. I don't live in California. You're, you're going to want to check your laws. But I guess what I'm saying is each state has laws about what you can and cannot carry, and you'll want to know what those are so you just don't get yourself messed up if you're ever in a situation where uh, somebody in law enforcement wants to know why you've got a knife of a certain type. Now, what are the chances that somebody's going to check out your knife? Well, if you're not in any kind of altercation or uh, don't get yourself into some kind of trouble, nothing, right? Uh, but just be aware of that as you choose a knife. A question I frequently get is, you know, I want to get started collecting knives. I want to buy my first knife or I have a few knives, but I'm interested in getting more. But I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars. So where do I start? So, you know, each knife has a purpose. Uh, an everyday carry folder can be used for many things, right? You know, opening a box, uh, cutting string, whatever. But you sort of want to think about what you're going to do with this knife. So there really isn't one knife fits all because there's many designs uh, and, and each one uh, has a different blade design and they're all meant to do different things. You know, you're going to have to decide whether you want to go cheap or go for broke. I sort of suggest starting cheap. So if you do that, what's this going to mean in the quality of the knife that you get? You know, it's going to have a lesser quality blade steel, which means it's going to be softer. Uh, it's not going to hold an edge as long. You're going to have to sharpen it more often. Possibly overall materials and construction may not be as good. Whatever you buy is going to be lesser expensive, so the quality of the materials and the work workmanship isn't going to be the same as if you buy a custom knife. So if you're just getting started, you know, a real good company to look at is Kershaw. They make a lot of different knives at different price points. Um, they've got some really cool designs at the lower price points. Now, granted, the blade steel is not going to be as great, but if you're just sort of getting started and you're not really sure what kind of design of knife that you want, uh, if you go with Kershaw, you've got a lot of opportunities to choose from knives that run anywhere from, you know, $30 to $100. You know, you're not going to break the bank. The, the ones that I happen to like, you know, I've got a Blur, I've got a Cryo, I've got, a, I've got this Natrix that's coming. So, uh, you know, you just need to check things out and see, see what you like. Spyderco, that's another well-respected brand. They're not quite as cheap, but, you know, they do make a couple of knives that I have that I guess I would consider to be cheaper knives that I really like. So the Spyderco Tenacious G10, I think that runs right in the $50 to $60 range. I can't remember what I spent on it. But it was not a super expensive knife. But it's a great knife. Uh, it doesn't hold an edge as long. I do have to, you know, touch it up here and there when I use it. 
But I, but I think it's a really well-made knife and a great place to start. Spyderco has a wide range of knives to choose from and designs and styles. And there are people that are just, you know, crazy Spyderco collectors. If you want to even go cheaper than the Tenacious G10, you can get the Caracara 2. Now that's really at the lower end. You know, it's, it's I think, about a $25 or $30 knife. Uh, I have one. I carry it. I use it. I cut a lot of cardboard boxes with it, you know, but for a cheaper knife, it works out great for that. And it's one that I can just sort of throw around. If, you know, it gets dinged up a little bit, it's not a big deal. It's really easy to sharpen. You can get, you know, a Spyderco, you know, starting as low as 35 bucks. Some people just want to go big right away. You know, they want to get this foundational set of knives they want them to be expensive high quality they don't want to spend any money on lower price knives and i get that you know you do get what you pay for if that's you you know if you're willing to spend anywhere from i guess you know 125 to three four hundred dollars look at brands like benchmade the higher end spider co's with the better blade steels Kershaw has a high-end line, the zero-tolerance line. There are many. You know, I'm I'm skipping lots of brands here. Uh, I'm not. I don't have a laundry list in front of me. But typically, it's Benchmade, Spyderco, Zero Tolerance. Those are three that a lot of people gravitate to when they're first thinking about buying a higher-end knife. So, really, what's going to determine the overall price of the knife? Yes, the build quality, but it's the blade steel that's being used. Let's, let's talk a little bit about blade steel. So I've, I've already mentioned that on lower end knives, uh, the blade steels just doesn't hold, hold an edge as well. It doesn't have great edge retention because it's softer. So you're going to have to build some skills in knife sharpening because you're going to need to touch those blades up more often. You know, higher end knives require more, more skill in sharpening and you know, you can really ruin the, the grind on a blade if you sharpen it wrong. So, you know, there are, there are companies like Benchmade, for example, that will take your knife and offer you free lifetime sharpening. So if you spent $300 on a knife, you don't have all the right tools to sharpen it correctly or the right skills, then I highly recommend just sending it back into the manufacturer if they have that as an offer. Uh, I, I guess if you're going to learn to sharpen, you want to start learning how to do that on a on a knife with a cheaper blade steel. I mean, there are people that sharpen knives for a living, so that should tell you right away. You know, it takes a special set of tools and skills to do it the right way and not totally screw up a very expensive knife. And the adage is, of course, a sharp knife is a safe knife. I mean, they told me that in Boy Scouts, and, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout, so I can say this with a certain level of authority. So how often will you need to sharpen your knife? I guess it just depends on what you're doing with it. I will tell you one thing not to do with a good knife is cut cardboard boxes. Just get a box cutter if you're going to do a lot of cardboard boxes, because that is the one thing that will really... Uh, Screw up a knife fast is cardboard boxes. Don't ask me why. They will just really dull your blade quickly. A lot of times, cardboard boxes are dirty, they're gritty. Anyway, it just uh, chews up your blade. 
and it doesn't really matter if it's a higher end blade steel or lower end. You know, it just for some reason dulls knives quickly. So, you know, I'm going to just leave it at that. You know, in a cheaper knife, a pretty common blade steel is the 8CR 13MOV. Uh, Kershaw makes a lot of knives uh, in the lower end with that blade steel. Uh, Spyderco makes some, and, you know, other manufacturers make them as well. Uh, a, a blade steel that's comparable to the 8CR 13MOV is the AUS-8. That's a fairly common blade steel and lesser expensive knives. So, you know, in that price point of 25 to 60 maybe up to $75, that's the kind of blade steel you're likely to find. So if you want to delve into, you know, mid-range blade steels, you'll, you're going to start seeing... You're going to start seeing things like D2. Uh, sometimes you're going to see Sandvik 14C28N. Uh, those are a couple of steels that crop up in that $75 to $125 range. I'm seeing a lot more knives uh, trending toward D2 in that middle range. The, the Kershaw Natrix that I just ordered has D2 steel. Uh, I personally have not had a knife with D2 steel, so I'm going to be really interested to see how well that holds an edge. And, you know, uh, hopefully it's not going to be uh, too difficult to sharpen. When you jump to higher-end knives, and I'm talking typically over $125, uh, you're going to see a variety of blade steels. Uh, but two that show up a lot are CPM-154 and the CPM-S30V. There are definitely others. There's all kinds of blends of steel out there. Benchmade uses a lot of the CPM-154. Spyderco uses those as well, and others. So when you jump up into, you know, the higher-priced knives, you're going to just see some more exotic blends of steel. Uh, and there's a lot of them. I I'm not going to go into a list. Uh, I highly recommend if you're going to try to determine what blade steel to get and you have no experience with that at all, just jump into uh, Google and and Google something like CPM 154 versus CPM S30V Reddit. Probably there's going to be a thread that you can read where people discuss the pros and cons of two different types of blade steels. And they're really helpful because if you've never purchased them before, if, if you don't know what you're doing, why not try and glean some knowledge from people who have already been there before you? Uh, another thing to think about when you're buying your knives, uh, besides the blade steel, besides the manufacturer, is what kind of blade style do you want? There's drop points, there's clip points, there's tanto. There's a lot of different different styles. And, and again, that's all really a personal thing, and it all depends on what you're going to do with the knife. So like the Tanto, the tanto uh, you know, it has two distinct blade edges. So basically it's a longer blade edge with a distinct 45 degree secondary leading edge to the point of the blade. It's sort of like that Japanese sword type of point on it. The drop point blade, that's probably the most common design. And the knife blade will have a convex spine that drops downward from the point, from the handle to the point. And then the clip point, that's characterized by a flat spine that is sort of clipped off at the end. And almost every knife manufacturer will allow you to do a search on their website, and you can base it on 
blade style. And then you can look at different knives to specifically see, you know, what a clip point is, what a drop point is, and so on. And I'll have some photos on my website and on Instagram as well, showing those different uh, blade types or blade styles, excuse me. So another pretty popular blade style that I've seen is this cleaver style blade. It's pretty popular right now. Um, in fact, Kaiser makes makes a, a, a knife with that type of blade style. It's the, I think it's the Kaiser Mini Sheepdog. And it's one that I've been interested in possibly picking up just because it's it's just an interesting blade style. And I think it would be useful for a lot of different uh, types of, of cutting applications. You know, the bottom line is, you know, drop point, clip point, whatever it is, you know, that's the that's sort of the bulk of the designs used on everyday carry folders. I happen to like play, plain edge blades mainly because they're a lot easier to sharpen, but sometimes you're going to see styles where you're going to have a plain edge and a serrated section. And the serrated section just makes it a lot easier to cut through things like rope and twine. Um, I don't suggest doing it, but, you know, you probably could even get through light wire, you know, with something like that. Just remember, if you do get something with a serrated edge and you want to keep it sharp, you're going to have to have some, some extra sharpening tools to work on serrated edges. Another thing you may hear talked about, although not as much, are blade grinds. And... This is really a nuanced feature. If you're just starting out collecting, I wouldn't worry about blade grinds right now. Suffice it to say that the reason I like companies that will sharpen a knife for you is they're going to take it and they've got an expert who's not going to screw up the, the grind on your blade, or at least they're not supposed to. So, uh, but you can do that. And then it's a real, it's really tough to get that, that blade sharp again and back in shape. Another thing you're going to see as you look look for a knife is the blade locking mechanisms. Typically, you know, in an EDC everyday carry folder, it's going to be either a liner lock or a, or a frame liner lock. That's pretty typical. Um, although some knives do have back locks, probably the back lock is the is the strongest lock compared to the liner locks. You know, I don't have a preference. I have knives with back locks. I have knives with liner locks. Um, you know, and, and as you buy more knives and use more knives, you'll build a preference. And, you know, maybe you're only going to want knives with back locks. And there's plenty of those in the EDC folder category. So, you know, I'll, I'll just finish with this. If you have a decent knife... Um, like I mentioned earlier, don't use it to cut cardboard. You're going to just trash the blade. You're going to have to sharpen it to get a box cutter. With that, I'm just going to say, you know, I hope this episode at least gets you thinking about all the features of a everyday carry folder uh, that you might want to consider. Um, you know, in the end, it's what is legal for you to carry, coupled with a design that you like and the amount of money that you want to spend. So good luck as you jump into the very addictive hobby of knife collecting, because you're going to spend a lot of money if you get into this. <laughs> Until next time, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully we get through this whole COVID-19 mess pretty quickly. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Flashlights and Stuff podcast. For detailed photos of the items reviewed in this podcast, check out flashlightsandstuff.com. You'll find additional information not in the show notes. So until next week, don't forget to subscribe to Flashlights and Stuff so you don't miss a single thing.